All right, and welcome into the Rocket Top Insider Press Pass podcast. Today, my name is Rick Butler, joined right across the table. That is Ryan Shumpert. Ryan, good afternoon, my friend. How are you doing? What's going on? I'm doing well, yeah. Sur- surviving from the, the big storm on, what I guess was Monday afternoon yeah, in Knoxville. That's uh, right. Knocked some power out. Did, did trap me in the apartment complex a little bit. Yeah, but. you know, for to take you behind the scenes a little bit, Ryan and I both went to the Tennessee football practice and the press conference and everything on Tuesday. Had to come pick you up yeah, because there was to... a tree in the way of the street that is impassable. Yeah, one way in, one way out. And a uh, big old tree was uh, there blocking it. So uh, you were uh, nice enough to come pick me up, got me to football practice, and uh, doing well now. Well, we have certainly, uh, I, I certainly have a debt when it comes to um, <laughs> needing a ride somewhere or something like that. So that, that certainly falls in. But. Ryan, we'll go ahead and get straight to it. Uh, we'll start talking about just everything that we've really seen in the last week or so. If, if I remember correctly, it was last Tuesday, was that the media day and then they got started on Wednesday? Correct. So we're just about six days away, or six days from the start of Tennessee fall camp, and it, it makes sense. They've just had their sixth uh, practice. Their sixth yeah. practice. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll start getting into all this. Uh, maybe not break down any of these practices specifically on their own, but just kind of talk about position takeaways, player takeaway, coaching takeaway, uh, press conference takeaways, that kind of stuff as we really just recap the first week or so of fall camp, huh? Yeah, certainly. Well, then let's go ahead and start with the offense, right? I think to me that that's Tennessee's bread and butter right there. We know that Tennessee returns uh, a lot of the pieces from last year's record-breaking offense, but there are some new pieces as well. Just kind of, Ryan, when you walked out onto the practice, when you walk around during these, uh, during whatever it's been these last couple days, What's kind of been your biggest takeaway from the offensive side of the ball, whether it be the, the offensive line, the receivers, the quarterback, the running backs, whoever it may be? What's, what's been your biggest takeaway on that side of things? You know, I, I guess it's the mandatory disclaimer. You know, we're watching 20 minutes of practice every yeah. day. Drills. We got to see some 11 on 11 the first day when they, you know, were just in helmets, not even shells. And we got to watch about 45 minutes. So, you know, we're well, not seeing... Let me throw in another disclaimer. I think to me this first week and a half, before we really get into the takeaways and everything like that, I think to me this first week and a half, I actually had somebody ask me the other day and they said, what are the big storylines coming out of camp right now? Well, what's going on? Where's the drama? And I said, there's not a lot of drama right now. There's not a lot of big storylines that you're left with kind of each and every day. This has been a, a very kind of, it seems like, fundamental by the basic kind of fall camp for Tennessee. There's not a ton of competitions going on. Obviously, we know that there's one on the line. We know that there's one on the defensive line, stuff like that. But there's no quarterback you're trying to figure out. There's no top wide receiver you're trying to figure out. So for me, for the most part, it's been a fairly, maybe not quiet's the right word, but just a a basic, normal, you know, drama-free fall camp, at least that we've seen so far here in the first week. Yeah, I would say so, and I mean that's what you'd expect, or at least hope so. There, you know, there's been some minor injuries, uh, but nothing super serious on that front. Which again, you don't have full pads on. There's contact, but it's not. No one's tackling to the ground at least before today. So, sure. Uh, but to your original question on the offensive side, I think it's kind of twofold. Uh, one, the offensive line, I think is a big question. Uh, you know, I wrote the article back. At the end of July, of the five most important players on offense and defense, and you know one of those guys is Cooper Mays, which you wouldn't really think of because you know he's been a strong, solid starter for Tennessee. He was on there because how important it is he stays healthy, and he's sure. a guy that hasn't been out 
He was warming, he warmed up on Tuesday, but he wasn't out there doing drills. He wasn't out there doing drills on Monday. And you heard Glenn Ellery talk about it, offensive line coach, we talked about it on Monday, talking about how bad they were snapping the football with Cooper Mays not out there. And Jerome Carvin's been the security blanket center, uh, the entire Josh Heupel era, starting a left guard backup center. And Tennessee doesn't have that. So I think when you combine that with some of the stuff that's gone on at offensive tackle. Uh, obviously, we know there's competition on both sides there. Gerald Mincy is back working at left tackle, not right tackle, uh, which I think puts probably Tennessee's two most talented offensive tackles, John Campbell and Mincy, working on the same side of the ball. So I think when you combine those things, uh, I think we knew that was a question mark. We knew that was a concern. I think that concern has kind of been further uh, ex- explored, in my opinion. I think it's a very fair concern. And then on the positive side, not that this was shocking. We saw it some in the spring, but Tennessee's running back room is just so, so impressive, I think. Yeah. The, uh, the three players that got a ton of carries all back from last year, I think Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson's bodies both look uh, much better, or at least just physically bigger. Uh, Sampson, probably Wright more especially in the fact that he just looks like, you know, a, a sculpted running back. But Sampson was kind of small last year as a freshman, and he's made games. And you know what you have there in Jabari Small, and then I think the three three freshmen in that room were all really solid. Cameron Selden was obviously impressed in the spring. Is another guy that there's a handful of those Tennessee freshmen that look like upperclassmen. He's one of them, and we know Deshaun Bishop impressed in, in the spring, and then Khalifa Keith, uh, who didn't arrive until the summer, is just a behemoth, massive, yeah. massive <laughs> dude. So yeah, he is. I think the bodies in that room, the depth uh, that they've added on top of what we already know, a handful of proven. Production and kind of the offensive line question marks are the two things that have probably stood out the most from what we've seen, you know, six practices in. Yeah, you know, I'll start by kind of following up on your first point, talking about the offensive linemen. And they really had the spotlight on Monday as we got to talk to Glenn Ellerby and some of the offensive linemen in the actual room itself. I took away one of the same things that, that you did. You know, maybe Jerome Carvin wasn't a, a draft pick for Tennessee, and maybe he, he wasn't one of Tennessee's guys that you really think about from last year's team, right? Departures, whether you're thinking of Hendon Hooker, Byron Young, Jalen Hyatt, whoever it might be. He's, he might not always be that first name that you think of, but Glenn Ellerby was talking about how yesterday, yesterday just how important his role was on the team. And, Ryan, I think you're exactly right when you say that you can broad that out even just to the whole Josh Heupel era entirely, right? You can see just how, how versatile he was, especially on the interior of the offensive line. And that's something that they don't have as much anymore. A guy like Addison Nichols, who I believe worked a good amount of center during the yep. spring, he was asked, or Glenn Ellerby was asked yesterday, kind of just what's the, what's the deal right now with Addison Nichols? And he said that, yeah, he's been playing a little bit of both, right? He's been playing some of that left guard. He's been playing some of that center position. And I think for Tennessee, they're looking for a guy who can maybe show some of that versatility that a guy like Jerome Carvin did. But saying all that, they also talked about how there's a lot of guys rotating in, but it might not be until Thursday. That's kind of the scrimmage that they have. That's the day that it seems like guys are going to start locking into spots a little bit more. And I think that's also true for the uh, defensive line. We're talking about offense right now, but I think that's true in that kind of uh, line as well. So talking to Ronnie Garner today, just kind of got the feel that, hey, that scrimmage is going to be big to kind of get certain guys in certain spots, kind of maybe figure out what the grouping or order is going to be. But certainly a lot of depth, a lot of rotation going on. Some of that stuff might get a little bit more finalized towards the end of the week. Yeah, well, I mean, and for, you know, for the lineman to me, today's day one. You know, Tuesday was sure. day one, or Wednesday was day one, really. But when you put the pads on, I mean, it's it's why offensive the line is such a hard position to project at the high school level is uh, you're oftentimes playing against bad competition, and then at camps you're not playing with pads on, and you can't tell how good an offensive lineman is at football when you're not having pads on. So uh, you're right, and I thought it was interesting. Ollie Lane, who uh, I think 
not the penciled-in starter at left guard, but probably the leader uh, in that competition at left guard. He got more starting reps there than anybody in the spring. He was working some today at center uh, with Cooper Mays out. So I think they're kind of trying to figure all of a sudden not only just the left guard spot, but uh, obviously they were all aware of the importance of finding a backup behind Cooper Mays, but Cooper Mays being down the last few days, I think his kind of uh, expedited that process. And then on top of, you know, I'd say specifically the right tackle job, um, plenty of competition at offensive line. They hope to figure some things out after Thursday, but I think Thursday as a whole would just be a telling day for that group. Let me echo you a question that was asked to me yesterday on a radio show interview. We know that today was the first day that Tennessee strapped up full pads. We didn't get to see, obviously, too much out of it out of, as our availability viewing period is a little bit limited towards the beginning of practice. But what do you kind of expect from just this fall camp in terms of physicality once these, fall, once these full pads start coming on? Obviously, they're on now, but once they stay on, the practices that they do have them on, kind of what's your expectation? And I know, again, those aren't necessarily spots of practice that we get to see but do you have any kind of thought there yeah I mean that's that's hard for me to really say expectation um, you know I haven't played football at a high enough level and you know been there at practice to know but I guess general thoughts I'd have one Tennessee's depth is better which would make me think there'd be more contact you were able to do that I mean especially Heupel's first year again this is just pure speculation you know I imagine it was it felt like you were everyone was, it was really nerve-wracking anytime you went full contact because <laughs> You just didn't have room for guys to get injured. Um, and even, you know, some of that extent last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I would think more. Um, and, again, this is me not being, you know, a guy that's played football at a high level, so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, I saw the Dan Campbell clip, and I thought it made a lot of sense. You've seen this in the NFL. you got to have contact. Yeah. And it's especially in the NFL as the preseason games, the starters don't play, and there's three preseason games. They rarely play more than a drive. I feel like you see the first month of the NFL season is incredibly sloppy and incredibly bad tackling. So that's stuff that you you can't simulate unless you're doing it, and it's such an important part of the game. So I don't know what that means, what Tennessee will look, what it'll look like for Tennessee, but you know that's kind of a one thought. There is a lot more depth, and I think there's an ability to probably – be a little more extensive uh, having full contact and there maybe has been Heupel's first two years here. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. You know, the way that I kind of thought about that answer yesterday and same as you, I've never played SEC football myself, so I don't exactly know what, what fully goes on during an entire practice, but we've talked to enough people to kind of have a good general idea. To me, I'll, all I answered was this. I, if it were me, I would say that, okay, some position groups are going to need a little bit more physicality and contact than others, right? You're looking at position battles on the offensive line. You're looking at position battles on the defensive line. Those are areas where, to me, if you want to find the right person for that spot, if you want to find the guys that are going to compete the hardest at those positions, yeah, like in the trenches, yeah. you've got to have contact. you got to no have doubt. physicality. You're going to be going one-on-one, unit-on-unit throughout the fall for sure. But Maybe then you go back to some of the, like the receivers and the defensive backs, and maybe if a receiver is streaking down the sideline and a ball is floated up a little bit, Jalen McCullough, whoever it might be, is not going to come over and just boom them onto the sidelines, right? Something like that. So to me, I, I didn't exactly know where to answer that question either, but I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of some groups are going to need it a little bit more than others, and I think that's a pretty fair spot to be. Uh, let's broaden this thing out a little bit more, kind of sticking still with the offense, though. What else has impressed you? Maybe or at least caught your attention, maybe with the receivers, maybe with the quarterback, Joe Milton. What else maybe in that in that area? Yeah, I think Milton's looked good. Uh, I was impressed with him talking to him uh, during media days, uh, last Tuesday, I guess that was, so a week ago today. And uh, it was a stark difference from talking to him two years ago when he first got into Tennessee and he was out in the same, you know, 
five players out there sitting in a chair, 20 minutes for all the media to go talk to whoever they want. He's clearly a lot more comfortable, a lot more confident, and that's not surprising, but I think that's a good sign. Uh, you know, from hearing other players and coaches talk uh, about him, I think it's clear that this is his team, and uh, he's understanding of that. He's taken the reins of that. And, again, it's routes on air that we've seen, but he's been pretty accurate. Uh, I think he's been good from what we've seen. And I guess the one thing, and we'll touch this on the defensive side, you know, I said there haven't been many injuries. There really haven't been. We talked on Cooper Mays. Uh, a little bit of banged up guys at the receiver spot. I think Squirrel White missed a day. Uh, at least didn't go through routes on air. Brew McCoy didn't do it yesterday. Uh, Dante Thornton wasn't out there at all today during the open portion of practice. And then freshman Nathan Leacock uh, has been dressed out both of the last two days, but hasn't really gone through routes on air. So uh, there's been some minor injuries in that room. You know, maybe you know Thornton's the only one we haven't seen out there dressed out, even if they're not going through everything. So I don't think for the most part those are major things. Uh, but maybe kind of a little bit of a storyline to to follow in a position I think we feel pretty confident about who the guys that are going to get the bulk of snaps are going to be for Tennessee. Yeah, you know, you talk about the bulk of snaps. I think here going into year three of the Josh Heupel era, we know that Tennessee has a uh, pretty close-knit wide receiver core that they want to be using throughout the season. I can see Tennessee's four guys between Keaton, Thornton, Brew McCoy, and Squirrel White kind of leading that charge as the core four, but just kind of going off what you said there too. You know, we posted some video of it. You can go and find it on any of our Rocky Top Insider social media accounts, but I have been impressed with what we've seen from Dante Thornton, and obviously yeah. we want to see what he looks like against competition. We want to see what he looks like on the field in a game situation, but just in terms of the intangibles, right, his size, his speed, just the the fluidity that he has on the field, I think all that is really promising right now if you're watching this Tennessee offense and kind of projecting for a month from now or at least what could kind of un unravel this season. So Dante Thornton, at least for me, two thumbs up. Again, like what you're saying, we haven't necessarily seen a ton of it, but what we have yeah. seen, two thumbs up, and you can go and see some of that video again over on RTI social media channels. He's a really impressive-looking athlete. I mean, it's... He's, he's huge. Yeah, I mean, I think it was Joey Hall's lead that said it's just... You know, there's freak talent guys, and he's one of them. Guys that size, six foot five, don't move. And that was me who said that, actually. Was that you? So, uh, okay. I, look, I remember somebody saying that maybe from the spring, and I did ask Joey Halsley. I said in that question, I said, you know, hey, we heard in the spring that people said that he has freaky talent, and like you said. He said something you're to saying, a Joey similar... Halsley said, like, uh, he said, using your words, He's got freaky talent. So okay, well, there we go. But it, but they're not technically my words either. They're the words somebody from, else's. It's a line of words yes, that have been passed I just, down. I wanted the humble brag like that I'm of, in that chain somewhere. It's like a game of telephone with, <laughs> yes. uh, with the freaky. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and he seems, again, I think his understanding has increased from the spring. I think his comfort level, I mean, you've seen him. Kelsey Pope's talking to him. I mean, very, click, very quickly kind of is clicking, you know, what – what he needs to do better, all that type of stuff. So uh, if he's healthy, if he's out there, I think he's going to be, you know, I think there's going to be a chance that he could beat Tennessee's leading receiver this season. Yeah, for sure. And then the only other really skilled player that I want to talk about from the offense side of the ball is Ethan Davis, just another really talented-looking freshman who, who has a bright future ahead of him here at Tennessee or wherever it may be. You know, going back to the spring game, this is a guy who battled injuries not throughout, not just during high school, but also had some injury concerns during the summer as well. I believe he broke his collarbone or had a collarbone issue coming out of that orange and white game. But just again, talking about a guy who has natural fluidity on the field, I, I would put Ethan Davis in that category. He, he just is a, he looks like a talent out there on the field. And maybe the tight end's a little bit harder to judge because they're not always just doing pass catching drills like the receivers. Sometimes they're doing blocking, sometimes they're doing other stuff. 
but I have liked what I've seen so far from Ethan Davis. Wondering what kind of maybe an impact he could make. Maybe it's a little bit later on in the year. Maybe it's obviously a little bit more next year, but certainly one that has caught my eye here in the first week. Definitely is another one of those guys that doesn't look like a freshman, you know, from a physical standpoint. And I think is already probably from the second you walked on campus, the most talented pass catcher in Tennessee's tight end room. You know, blocking is going to be the whole question. So yeah. whether he play, if he blocks well enough, he will play a lot this year. But uh, you know, blocking. For big-time tight ends, uh, you know, it's not something they have to do or put a lot of emphasis on at the high school level. So I'm sure that's been an adjustment period, um, and I think that's kind of the big question for him. You might be able to jog my memory a little bit more now, so I'm not going to lock myself into this answer, but would you kind of come out of this first week or so at least saying that maybe the offensive line competition has your eye the most or, or is... I don't even know the word I'm looking for here. That one to me, like I, I look at the defensive backs and I see that there's a lot more depth there, even if it's a more worrisome. More younger is depth. how I would phrase it. Who's more worrisome? The offensive line. Okay. And I would agree. Would gone, you say that that's the most worrisome position yes. on the field? Okay, I, I would agree. Because it, I mean, it's watch isn't really right because we go out there and we watch them do drills. So again, I'm not smart enough of a guy to figure out who how good these offensive linemen are from watching them do very fundamental drills. Um, and I think it would have been maybe a toss-up. Maybe I would say defensive back was more worrisome going in. But uh, after yeah. a week, uh, I would – again, it's kind of picking bones or whatever. But I, I would say offensive line is the most concerning spot uh, on Tennessee's roster. Yeah, very well said. I, I, I very much agree. Um, and not that it's a – not that it's something I think should be keeping people up at night or anything like that. But like you were saying, it, it, to me, you, you leave this first week of camp and you say, okay, I – Maybe I was a little bit wrong about the defensive backs room. Okay, certainly the linebackers room ha has been an area of improvement. I think that offensive line room for me is just saying, hey, that's the that's the part, that's the spot where I have my eye on the most. Kind of maybe again like what you're saying, maybe the most worrisome position battle. But we'll see how that all kind of shakes out over the next couple of weeks. Yes, yeah, certainly, and it will be. That's one of those things that will just be interesting to hear from. Uh, Post scrimmage, yeah. first scrimmage and second scrimmage is, is what the offensive line play looked like and what they could figure out there. Anything else on the offensive end, or you want to jump over to defense? Let's jump over to defense. So over the past two years or so, I would say Ryan, we've been to a, a large number uh, of practices at this point. Again, over the last two years, the linebacker room for me yeah. was always something that you walked over, you took a glance at because you just wanted to see what was going on. You wanted to make sure that you didn't miss anything. And then you promptly moved on to a different position group just because there wasn't much to see. I think each time we've stepped out into the field over the last six practices or so, that's a group that your eyes kind of wander over to, and then you find a reason to keep watching them, whether it's the improved depth with just guys like T. Lander, Carter, Herring, uh, Perry, the guys behind Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely. Maybe you're looking at the starters. Maybe you're looking at Peely and Beasley, whoever that might be. That is certainly a room that, again, my eyes have gravitated towards just because it's so different than anything else we've seen. I know that some of that linebacker room is still young, right? You're still yeah. talking about a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And you actually wrote a great article about this on Rocky Top Insider earlier in the week, how, hey, that, that is an improved room. There's no doubt about that. But it still might be a year or so away. That's okay for Tennessee. But the fact of the matter is that that room looks dramatically different than especially going back to the first year, but even going back to last year as well. Things look different. 100%. And I, you know, I think I even said it before the spring that to me it was one of the most intriguing rooms uh, that Tennessee has just because 
You have Aaron Beasley, who I thought played really well last year, got better as the season went on. Uh, I think he, if, if you made me pick a, ten, a player on Tennessee's defense, it's going to be on the all-SEC team, so I would say it's him. I think he's going to have sure. a big year. Um, so you have that. You have a guy I think is going to be playing at a level higher than any Tennessee linebacker in a number of years. I mean, I'm trying to go back. Man, maybe I'm forgetting somebody from Jeremy Pruitt era, but you know, no one, no one jumps out, and I don't think he's going to be as good as Jalen Reeves Maven. But he, to me, in my head, I'm like he's going to be as good as any Tennessee linebacker since Jalen Reeves Maven this year. So you have one guy you feel really good about, and then it's the youngsters that I think the sophomores, mainly Elijah uh, Elijah Herring, but you did see it a little bit from Caleb Perry last year. Impressed when they played. Elijah Herring had a real role; it wasn't a huge role, but he was in on some of those third down pass rush packages Tennessee would play with three linebackers. Uh, so he physically looks better. And then it's the freshmen that I thought were really intriguing. Arian Carter, I mean, he is the guy. We, I said, I've said a yeah. number of guys that don't look like freshmen. He looks like a junior linebacker at Alabama. And that doesn't mean <laughs> he's going to go out there and play like a junior linebacker at Alabama this year. Brian Jean Marie has been getting on to him big time. You know, we did see some competition, I think, maybe Saturday morning practice uh, that was linebackers uh, pass, pass rushing and then either tight ends and running backs uh, pass blocking, and he had some bad reps. And Brian yeah. Jean Marine was, or Jean Marie, I got, I always got to correct myself. I'm so southern as I say Jean, Jean Marie on a, a guy, the French name Jean Marie. Um, yeah, I got to catch myself on that. But he was getting on him, so it doesn't mean he's going to all of a sudden come out there and be a Tennessee starter. But man, the talent's there. And you heard Jean Marie talk about it when he talked to the media that he's not perfect, but he's got the athleticism that can fix a lot of mistakes that he makes and I think that makes it really intriguing Jalen Smith is a guy I thought was the most underrated guy and underrated recruit in Tennessee's whole 23 signing right. class I think he's probably a little small needs an offseason to add weight before he can make a huge role and then Jeremiah T. Landers another guy I think is intriguing in time so you have a bunch of young guys that I think are going to be good players you know I think one or two of them will probably be good enough to at least be rotation guys who play 20 to 30 snaps in SEC games this year but how effective do those guys play and then obviously the guy I haven't mentioned um, just because he's not as much as a long-term piece but Keenan Peely from BYU you know I don't know if he's a fantastic player uh, but he's at least someone that's solid and I think someone that can make a lot of tackles uh, be good against a run and you know you can trust him to play a lot of snaps. Uh, is this one season if those youngsters are there, they aren't all ready to play this year? Yeah, you know, I, I think looking at those two maybe guys who project to be the starters between Keenan Peely and Aaron Beasley. Beasley, you know, I actually went back and watched the Orange Bowl highlights just yesterday, so Monday night, and and it was really impressive what Aaron Beasley was able to do in that game. Just how disruptive he was. To me, Aaron Beasley kind of gives you a little bit more of that athleticism, more of that that quick first step, that speed in getting back to the quarterback. Well, I think that Peely is a little bit bigger, is a little bit more stout, right? I, I think he is your, hey, we need a run block in the middle. That's a guy who can come up and kind of plug one of those holes. So certainly a lot of versatility between Tennessee's entire linebacker room, which again is one of the reasons why not just us, but kind of the media in general here in Knoxville have been pointing to that linebacker room as something to watch for, something to notice. Again, no one's out here saying, at least we're not out here saying that that's going to be Tennessee's best position. That's going to be Tennessee's best players. But I do think that that is a a, a position that will be greatly improved. And, and I am really interested to see how it continues to evolve over the next couple of years with some of those really talented youngsters like you just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the number one thing that stands out is the depth. And when depth is the number one thing that stands out, that doesn't necessarily mean the play you see on the field is going to be significantly better. It just means you're better equipped to hold up over the course of a season. Um, and look, I mean, the last... 
two years especially, and even last year, I mean, it was like three linebackers, maybe four that they would play. And, you know, Solon Page was kind of that fourth, had to be the third in 2021 when right. John Mitchell got hurt. I think they're kind of better equipped if they have to go deeper. Um, and as high as I am on Aaron Beasley, you know, I, I think I don't think Keenan Peely will be as effective as Jeremy Banks. So, uh, you know, I don't know if the starters will be significantly better, uh, but I think that room's just more well-equipped to hold up uh, over the course of a 12-game season. Would you like to save the defensive backs for last, or would you like to do it now and then do the defensive linemen last? Because I think we got two good groups right here. Yeah, let's just do defensive backs. Defensive backs. Brian, I, without needing to say it, there's a lot, obviously a lot more depth right there with the defensive backs. You bring in a really talented class featuring guys like Ricky Gibson, Jordan Matthews, um, Christian Conyers, some of those other players right there that are in that DB room. And you can tell early on that, that they're young, right? They're, they're figuring all this out. I, I think I've seen a lot of conversation, I'll say this, instructional conversation from the coaching, uh, from the coaches, whether it be one of the position coaches like Willie Martinez, maybe it's Tim Banks at DC. I even saw Josh Heupel talking with Ricky Gibson today one-on-one, just kind of correcting a certain thing that he was doing. You can tell that those guys are young, they're inexperienced, they're learning yeah. this whole thing. Uh, it wasn't a defensive back, but one of the freshmen even kind of described this fall camp week as a little bit of a slap to the face. I think maybe some of those defensive backs would agree with that here in their first week of camp, but you can tell there's a lot of young talent in that room. Again, I, I might not be confident that, that they could step in and play right away at a high level, and they're still getting a lot of instruction, but you can tell there's just some really good talent and athleticism in that room that will hopefully that Tennessee will hopefully develop for themselves over the next couple of years over the next couple of weeks and months, too, I mean, just for the short term. But that's at least kind of my general thought about that DB room. What do you think? Sure. I think when Gibson and Matthews are both intriguing guys, and, you know, I don't know what type of role they can step into this year, but in the long term they look like good pieces. Um, I think it, the defensive back conversation is largely pretty similar to the one we had last fall camp. There's a lot of guys. Is there any separation? And I think I wrote about that, too, heading yeah. into camp is – Tennessee had a bunch of corners get injured last year, even starting in camp, which I think hurt them with the comp- lack of competition. But even in the season, I mean, think about how many guys, corners for Tennessee, played extended meaningful reps, not in mop-up time. Kamal Haddon, Warren Burrell, Danico Slaughter, Brandon Turnage, Deshaun Rucker. You had uh, William Wright, the walk. This is just, he played, obviously, just about the right. drive against Alabama. And I'm probably missing a, a couple more, but that's six guys that played just the two cornerback spots. And there was very little drop-off in the level of play from number one to number six. Yeah. So the depth is good, but if nobody can play at a very high level, you Tennessee finds themselves with the third-worst pass, pass defense in the entire country. Who can take a step forward? Now you got the young guys that are pushing uh, those veterans. Almost all those veterans are back. And then you have Gabe Judy Lolly, uh, the transfer from BYU, too, who I think, you know, his frame, I think he's like 6'2", 180, long arms. He's not a freak athlete, I think, like some of those younger guys, Matthew and Gibson are. But uh, I think his confidence that he can play with and kind of the fluidity fluidity he plays with with that frame makes him an intriguing guy. And then, you know, Danico Slaughter, I thought, was Tennessee's best corner, at least the back half of the season last year. So there's reason to think some guys can take a step forward and you can get some separation there. But until you see it on the field, you just don't know that. And I think that remains kind of one of the biggest questions uh, with Tennessee as a whole. You have a lot more options at corner than you do safety. Uh, yeah. Safety, I think, is maybe more concerning. Um, but, you know, we'll get to that in a second, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm wondering if one of those guys in the in the cornerback spots especially will step up and say, 
Christian Charles, another guy who Christian played corner Charles. last year. He's back at safety this year. Yeah, a guy that we were both very high, high on last year but didn't necessarily kind of develop no. into the player that we thought he was going to be. I wonder if one of the guys in that cornerback room is going to step up and say and say with their actions, not yeah. what I'm about to say, yeah. but say with their actions, hey, look, I know that we have some good depth here. I know we have players that are capable. I know we have players that won in big games last year. But I'm going to put myself in a position where you cannot take me off the field, right? To, to a position where maybe it's Danico Slaughter, maybe it's Kamal Haddon saying, hey, look, I, I know that some of these guys are still good a little bit depth, you know, a little bit farther down the depth chart, and we'll find a way to, to rotate some of them in, especially in breather kind of moments. But I think for Tennessee to be best at this year at that spot, there's got to be guys who say, hey, look, you cannot take me off the field because of what I'm able to do. You, you cannot rotate me out because they've stepped up and, and – They've not only earned, but kind of taken over that spot of the competition. It's like what you're saying. I don't know who those guys are going to be. There's a good amount of them right now that are kind of rotating through all this stuff right now. But again, I think that Tennessee is going to be best this year if one or two of those guys essentially step up and say with their actions, you can't take me off the field because I am performing this better than anybody else in the room is able to. Certainly. I mean, it's not something you want to say. I mean, it's a statement. It sounds funny, but... You want injuries to be like, oh, dang, that guy's injured. Like, that's that's, yeah. that's bad for Tennessee. Last year, the quarterback got injured. It didn't matter. The quarterback wasn't very good. Whoever replaced him wasn't going to be very good. Not, <laughs> maybe not horrible. Maybe not couldn't play and hold up at the SEC level. But, frankly, Tennessee's quarterback play, secondary play as a whole, wasn't very good. I thought Danico Slaughter was good in some games down the stretch. I mean, at least what Danico Slaughter had was, you know, he would get burnt some. He'd make some mistakes, but he'd make some plays, too. You know, he, it, wasn't 10 oh, yards, yeah. it wasn't 10 yards in front of him every single play. Uh, you you know we're just not gonna give it the big play, but you can easily get yards in front of me, uh, which I think a lot of Tennessee's corners played with. He played with some confidence. Again, that got him burnt sometimes. He's not a perfect player, uh, but I do think it made him Tennessee's best corner. And again, one of those guys, kind of like Christian Charles, who's now back at safety. Slaughter's played a lot of different spots. He hasn't had in the secondary. He hasn't had one spot to fully work on. I think he maybe even started some at safety. Maybe not at a game at safety, yeah, but no, worked no. at safety last Absolutely fall. Absolutely right. And he moved to corner because they needed all those injuries. I think now a full offseason there, he's the guy I kind of point to of thinking, yeah, he's one that could realistically, you can see, yeah, I can see how he could separate himself and become a, a much higher level, level SEC player. If you're asking me if there's a guy in this Tennessee defense who I'm most intrigued to see how they've developed throughout the offseason, throughout the summer, my pick is Danico Slaughter. I think you made a great point saying that Aaron Beasley is probably Tennessee's most likely to end up on an LSEC list. I think that guy, you know, there's some opportunities for maybe an Amari Thomas to step up and, and do some big things, but if you're asking me who I'm most intrigued with, it's Danico Slaughter. Again, I, I talked about watching the Orange, game, Orange Bowl game yesterday. I also watched, very randomly, the Tennessee-Kentucky game. Okay. And not only yeah, do you have Danico Slaughter's play that forced the interception with Juwan Mitchell, but he also had himself an the interception. Deep pass, yeah. yeah, exactly. The deep down. pass where Will Levis underthrew it a little bit, and he was able to take advantage of that situation. So I think if Danico Slaughter can put himself in a position where he is taking advantage of situations, that's a good sign for Tennessee. Yeah, for, that plays the first time Tennessee corner turned her head on a deep ball all season. And he was rewarded with an interception. <laughs> was. That ball is a little underthrown by Levis. Yeah. But again, like, Danico Slaughter was in the right position to make the play and jumped up, makes the play, and then Tennessee gets the ball back. So, uh, yeah, and that's not only it's wild how just how one-sided that game was. Oh, I, extremely. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even believe it just re-watching it yesterday. I mean, Kentucky never had a chance after that first, you know, first drive or two kind of stalled out it, it was all Tennessee after that yeah and that's not you know strictly a Tennessee issue of defensive backs not turning their head you watch call it as I saw <laughs> alongside this one of the three biggest differences in the NFL and college is cornerback play 
in some you know some corners, Christian Fulton for Titans is pretty good. It's horrible at turning his head, but most of the time corners are good at turning their head, finding the ball. Quarterback play obviously a lot better, and then the kick, kickers is to me the biggest, do maybe the, Titan, the biggest difference. Do the Titans have a guy named Kyle Phillips? They do, yeah, from UCLA. Somebody, somebody got me a little bit. I, I saw you know Kyle Phillips makes a play for the Titans. Somebody on Twitter, Kyle Phillips, and I yeah. thought it was Tennessee's Kyle. No. Although yeah, I don't believe this he's guy's still like in the a league. this guy's no, I don't think so either. And this guy's like a five ten white slot receiver, so very different, oh, yeah. very different skill set. Yeah, certainly. Then uh, <laughs> the defensive, what? He was an edge rusher, right? Yeah, uh, kind of, like strong side D, okay, end, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, Maybe a mid-D tackle. I'm not, a not guy to get side. after the quarterback. But speaking of guys to get after the quarterback, Ryan, that was something that Ryan, uh, Ronnie Garner has talked about today. But not just him, though. This is something that the players have been talking about since SEC Media Days. This is something that even Coach Heupel has talked about himself since kind of these summer SEC Tennessee caravans that went through. Tennessee absolutely has a goal and wants to be able to rush the quarterback and affect the quarterback with only four men so they don't have to bring in the fifth man for the blitz, the sixth man for the blitz, whatever it may be. That is obviously one of the big, uh, one of the big focal points for this Tennessee defense. And, and if you look at last year, when Tennessee's defense was able to affect the quarterback, that's when they were at their best. So, so it, it, LSU it, and Kentucky games. Absolutely. Yeah, by far the defense's two best games against so, quality opponents. Yes, and again, I thought there were a lot of moments in that Orange Bowl game where, where Tennessee yep. was able to get Clemson after Clay, Clay, uh, Clay, Cade. Cade Klubnick, uh, as, who was a freshman, who was making his first start in the game, and just absolutely make him uncomfortable throughout. So we know that that was Tennessee's strength last year. They just want to be able to do it again this year without having to actually dial up the blitz five, six players, whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, most games, really the games that Byron, the Orange Bowl, besides the Orange Bowl and the LSU and Kentucky games, which were the games that Byron Young could just completely overwhelm the other team's offensive <laughs> tackle with his athleticism, Tennessee could never get home before. I mean, it was no. the big weakness of the defense, or, you know, the pass defense was, and I think that was just as big as an issue as it was uh, the maybe poor play in the secondary. So that's a huge question. Um, Roman Harrison's a guy we've heard some good buzz about. We talked about him today. He is really the only veteran Leo in that group, which I think puts a lot of pressure on him. I think it makes him um, likely the starter at that spot. And then kind of like the linebacker spot, you have Tennessee's recruited Leo spot really, really well. You have Josh Josephs as a sophomore who flashed some as a freshman. James Pierce was a big recruit, didn't do a ton last year as a freshman. And then Caleb Herring, who was one of Tennessee's biggest recruits in this year's class, uh, has come in and he plays that spot. So how close can those guys get to being effective pass rushers? And then it also, I think, just puts a lot of pressure on Harrison as the veteran leader in that room to step up. Um, so that's kind of the biggest spot that stands up with the pass rush. Certainly there are a lot of solid, you know, we talked about it and you just got to have a ton of depth at defensive line to play. Yeah. We talked about it at corner. There wasn't a ton of separation and that was largely because there wasn't a lot of high play. I thought there was a lot of really solid play on Tennessee's defensive line last year. Not a lot of spectacular Guys who were back, who pl played well for multiple seasons, can they take a step forward? Amari Thomas, Elijah Simmons, Tyler Barron. Bryson Eason. Bryson Eason. There are guys that have played well. Can they find a different gear uh, and become all-SEC caliber players? That is one of the things I think, maybe as much as anything, would take Tennessee's defense to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a situation where Tennessee's defensive line, they've kind of moved from hoping that they can compete to expecting that they can compete. Uh, that was something that Amari Thomas talked about a lot during SEC Media Days in Nashville. Just kind of the idea of, of again, going from, hey, that we think we can do good here. We think that if we get the right pieces in the right spots here, we can play pretty good. But now they're at a point where they expect to have those pieces in the right spot. They expect to be successful. They expect to take advantage of certain situations. So that's obviously a big thing to watch this year. But 
Right, my only kind of comment to that, I, I thought you hit the nail on the head very, very well there. Uh, Josh Josephs was, was a guy who had a, you know, y'all will see kind of moment during his press conference. I think he was talking about just kind of the newfound confidence he had and saying that, hey, last year, he was on the field a pretty good amount last year, but, but he was saying that he really only had one move. He just wasn't confident in some of the other moves that he could use to affect the quarterback. He said this year, hey, look, going back to work with a specialty trainer at home, going back to work with Robert Ayers Jr., a, a VFL and Super Bowl participant, former Tennessee player who's now back as a defensive graduate assistant, working with him a little bit throughout the summer. Josh Joseph says that he's got a lot more confidence to his game, confidence in getting after the quarterback. So I wonder if maybe that's a thing that could kind of that could kind of take him from where he's at now to the next level of being a successful Leo edge rusher here in the SEC. Uh, but again, he did have kind of one of those, hey, look, I've seen it from myself this summer. You're going to see it too this year. So that's a guy who, who is, you know, uh, confident in himself, who, who has improved in his confidence. And, and to me, I just got the impression that, hey, he wants to go prove it on the field and he wants that desperately. Again, ending that question with, y'all are going to see it as well. So I, th I thought that was an interesting takeaway just from the last couple of days. For me, he may not be the most intriguing player in the defense, but he's up there. Sure. I think it's just, he's going to, I think he's going to be really good at some point. Again, it's kind of like I talked about the linebackers. Can he be it this year? And, you know, it's been seeing like Caleb Herring and Chan Davian Bradley, who are big freshman recruits that are Leos. They, it's cool seeing them next to Josh Joseph's because Josh Joseph looked exactly like those guys last year, in which you saw the frame, you saw the talent, just a little too wiry. He needed to add more weight, and you know I don't, I don't have the roster diff, you know, from last year, this year in front of me right now. But it feels like he's added 20 pounds of muscle, and he just looks like what Caleb Herring and Chan Dave and Bradley are going to look like in, in a year in the weight room. So um, uh, he is a very intriguing piece uh, at the Leo spot. I think he's probably the guy, at least of the guys that are going to play this year. I think he has the highest ceiling at that spot and yeah. then uh, I guess you know two other guys that stood out just from what Rodney Garner talked about today with Tyler Barron a defensive end talked about him having a more selfless approach of being more about the team not about himself understanding what if it's good for Tennessee it's good for Tyler Barron um, he's a guy that's always had the talent and has had some really big games you could argue that he was the MVP of the Pittsburgh game last year and Tennessee sure. doesn't win without him makes a couple huge plays obviously knocked out uh, Pitt's quarterback Keaton Slovis with that big forced fumble um, so you have him and then Elijah Simmons who it always feels like he's been a love-hate relationship with Rodney Gardner just in the sense that every time I talk about Rodney Gardner and talk to Rodney Gardner about Elijah Simmons it's like the talent's there man we just you got to tap into it we got to get consistency from him and Tennessee really hasn't gotten that to date I thought he had a great Rodney Gardner maybe had the quote of the first week of camp today, he said, he, you know, Elijah Simmons changed his number from 51 to 10. He goes, you change your number to 10, you got to be elite. If you're wearing 10 as a defensive lineman, you better be elite. And he goes, some days out there we get number 10, some days 51 shows up. So uh, he talked about him being a little bit more accepting of his coaches and teammates pushing him. He says, some guys can't push themselves, but it's the guys, those guys have to let their teammates and coaches push them. He says Elijah's starting to come around there. So again, it's a weekend of camp. Kind of as Rodney Garner kind of had a, wait and see approach with him but a guy that I think has always had the talent to be very very disruptive up front um, and certainly has had a good start to fall camp. We are making our way through fall camp right here with the Tennessee football team. If you've not kind of picked up on the schedule or the format so far basically what happens is that if Tennessee has a morning practice more than likely somebody will have a press conference availability afterwards they go with a position coach and then a few of the players in that position so again 
uh, Ronnie Garner and the defensive lineman being in the spotlight today. So make sure to stay tuned as we go through more assistant coaches, we go through more players on this team. Still a lot to get to. The wide receivers, the running backs, the the um, who else have we not talked? The cornerback room. Oh, there's still a lot yeah. of interesting players and, and coaches to talk to. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And then also stay tuned because coming up on Thursday, it's going to be Tennessee scrimmage. Now, Ryan, you and I won't be there, but we will certainly be able to break it down. I know we're already putting out this podcast on a Tuesday. Maybe we can come back on Thursday or Friday and talk about some of those scrimmage thoughts and takeaways that we hear about on Thursday afternoon. But either way, fall camp rolling along for Tennessee right now. Just about one week in the books as they get ready for that September 2 season opener against Virginia in Nashville's Nissan Stadium. Yeah, 100%, and it'll be, it'll be the first time talking to Heupel since the first day of uh, fall camp, so it'll be interesting just to kind of have his 500-foot uh, overview of the first week, a week and a half, I guess, at that point in, in scrimmage, so it should be interesting. And uh, Did you see what he did today? Well, he's done it multiple days. You, you haven't noticed. Multiple it. days? Yes. There's no way. Now I he think, No, I think today was the first. No, it wasn't. I can guarantee you it wasn't. What? He's been where he's been. What Rick's alluding to, he's been rocking only inside, only during okay. the warm, only during the warmups. It's never. I haven't seen it at least on the Hassel practice field. The water team stretching, warming up. He's been rocking that power, <laughs> orange power power tee hat backwards, yeah, which is just, which is quite the it's kind just of funny the backwards look. hat part yes. of things. Okay, all right. I'm still a little bit skeptical, but uh, I will trust you. You've never led me in the wrong direction yet. <laughs> But I will say, I, I noticed that today, and I came screaming over to you. I said, look, look. I just thought it was funny. It was just something it, that it, you don't it does normally, look funny. Yeah. I don't normally see. Apparently, the others have. But, Ryan, that about wraps up our Tennessee football conversation. Obviously, we are posting an absolute ton of analysis, videos, thoughts, opinions over at RockyTopInsider.com and on the Rocky Top Insider show. Rocky Top Insider social media platform. So make sure to go and check out all the fall camp work. It's not going to slow down. If anything, it's going to continue to ramp up as we get closer and closer to August 2nd. Now, the other thing going on in the Tennessee sports world right now is basketball. But it's not basketball in the United States of America, Ryan. It's basketball in Europe. Right. Tennessee went overseas to Italy to play a couple exhibition games. They've got a 10-day trip over there. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, and then give you a little bit of some updates and some thoughts about what's going on with Tennessee's current basketball team, a big new-look basketball team with a couple of fascinating faces being added to the team. We'll take a quick break, come back on the other side, talk to you a little bit about basketball and where that's going. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And now, back to the show. Tennessee basketball currently on the far end of a 10-day trip to Italy where they played three exhibition games in the meantime. Ryan, this was a big trip. For them. I mean, they went Lake Como. They went Florence. Yeah. They went Rome. I think that's where things are finishing up right now. It's been a big trip for the Tennessee basketball team. Yeah, it sounds like a fun one. I mean, I think uh, the basketball afterthought would be too strong of a word, but I think kind of takes a second gear to... Some sightseeing, uh, some culture learning and indulging, and some kind of team building, I think, goes into it. So, you know, Mike Wilson, uh, the new Sentinel, is on the trip, and he had said that, uh, you know, team hadn't really practiced it hardly at all since they've been there. So it's kind of the games they've been playing is the basketball they've been doing, with most of it uh, involved with everything else, and, and that seems like it makes for a pretty darn fun trip. And Rick Barnes has not even necessarily been coaching the team, is that correct? Not in game. I mean, he's not been sitting he's on the bench. He's there. Yes, he's there. Uh, Justin Ganey, the associate head coach, a guy that's 
going to be a head coach, you know, before probably too, too long uh, somewhere in college basketball has been serving as the acting head coach. Barnes has been sitting in the stands just watching. Uh, so he's kind of taken a, a little bit of a hands-off approach and uh, let his assistant step up into a, a bigger role. So Ryan, you've, you've been able to watch all three of these games so far for the most part, which was a little bit difficult to go watch. You had to maybe subscribe to a specific network and then you got access to a, a stream, again, from Italy. So there were a couple of little maybe, uh, maybe uh, I don't know, chaotic, certainly not the right word, but certainly some maybe obstacles or challenges to get through. But nonetheless, you got to watch each of the three games Kind of refresh my memory about the scores and who they played for each, if you will. Yeah, so the first two games, which they played, I believe, in Florence on Friday and Saturday, they played the Lithuanian under-21 national team. They beat them in the first game 97-57. to They beat them in the second game 116-90. to Okay, so pause right there. So a 40-point win turns into what? A, what was it, 26? 26. Yeah. 26-point win. What was the difference there? I mean, was it a, was it a big decrease from the Tennessee team? Was it the Lithuanian team maybe having a little bit more feel under them? What was your thought there? Well, I mean, I think I guess 14 when you're points, talking 26 to 40, you're... Sure. I, I guess 14 points Neither game was, was ever in doubt, so I think... But they scored 90. I mean... Yeah, and I think I think that's twofold. I think... Maybe threefold even. I, I think Lithuania, as we saw from the game, uh, they, the third game they played, they were just, game one, they were just overwhelmed by Tennessee's athleticism defensively and what they could throw at them. But there was a comfort level there better, and then I think a couple Lithuanian players shot the ball really, really well on the second day. I mean, okay. one, one of them was on fire, and even they were down like, <laughs> they were down like 35, and he hit a three and was like turning, talking crap to, to Justin Ganey <laughs> on the Tennessee bench. Um, so that was kind of funny. And then, I don't know this, um, and it didn't feel quite like Tennessee's defensive intensity was at the same level in Game 2 as it was in Game 1. So sure. those were the first two games. And then uh, they went to Rome by train, I believe. And yes. they played Stella Azura, which is – I could be mispronouncing that too. But that is a Italian club team. They play in the second division uh, of the Italian Professional League in Tennessee – you talk about overwhelming someone with athleticism uh, and defense early in the game. Stella Zuri got off to a 2 nothing lead. Tennessee scored the next 20 points and coasted to a 97-51 to win. So Tennessee goes 3-0 and on the trip. They win those three games by an average of 37.3 points. So Tennessee's all 10, scho- 10 scholarship guys healthy. All 10 of those guys played a ton of minutes, over 15 minutes a game. And... Uh, you're talking about very lopsided wins. So, again, observations. Kind of like football practice. We're seeing more. We're seeing real games. Sure. When you're talking about the competition, uh, you kind of want to tap the brakes on the hype train for some of these guys and not get too, too excited uh, given the level of competition. So I think maybe the one player in particular that people are gravitating towards, people want to figure out about, people want to know what he can bring to the table for Tennessee is Dalt. Dalton Connect. What, what can you talk about him? What did you see from him over this three-game stretch? You know, I'm going to tie Jordan Ganey in there, too. Two transfers. Uh, who Tennessee added both of them because of their shooting ability and their ability to score. Connect, you come into the season or you come into summer, it's like he's going to play a huge role. Jordan Ganey, you know, I'm kind of like, I have a hard time seeing his path to getting consistent playing time. Tennessee just, when the Kai Ziegler back, Freddie Dillion, Santiago Vescovi, Jemaine Nashak, they're just loaded with guys at the one and two spots. And it kind of felt like I have a hard time seeing Ganey play this year. Maybe uh, in two years, uh, I could see a big role for him. But Ganey uh, was 
arguably as impressive as anybody for what he did uh, on the trip. And uh, what he did, especially in Game 3 against Stella Azura on the defensive end, I thought was really impressive. And then offensively, he averaged 12.7 points per game. He shot 23 three-pointers, shot 39%. Even in a couple of those games, he didn't shoot particularly well. His confidence didn't waver. Again, it's kind of that's where it's kind of like it's easy. Sure. Your confidence not to waver when you're up by 20 points. <laughs> and it's not a tight SEC game. And it's a game of European rules, so there's 20 more possessions in it than there might be right. in SEC games. So uh, he was one guy. He's the shooting. He's what it got him to Tennessee, and that was really evident. And in Dalton Connect, it was the same thing. He was actually Tennessee's leading scorer over the three games. He scored 16.3 points a game. He shot 53% from the field, 48% from three-point range. You know, Obviously, he won't shoot that over the course of the season. That's a pretty insane number. Uh, but he was 12-25 over three games, I think. If my memory serves right, he hit four threes in all three games. So he was very consistent, didn't just have one massive game. Um, And and it's his confidence as a shooter, the fact that he's six foot six and can shoot with some range, I think makes it really hard to guard him. And I think it's really intriguing with all three of those guys, but especially Dalton Connect and Santiago Vescovi to see, all right, the way they can space the floor when they're on the court is going to really open up some things for Freddie DeLeon, for Zakai Ziegler to get to the basket. And it's going to make – uh, or at least ideally, what Tennessee's in, envisioning, envisioning is it's going to make uh, stretch defenses thin and make them a lot more difficult to guard. Yeah, you know, Ryan, there it's only August 8th right now, right? So there's obviously plenty of time between now and when the basketball season is starting to ramp up or so. There's going to be plenty of time to talk about Tennessee's returners, the ones players that we already know. You're Josiah Jordan-James, you're Santiago Vescovi, whoever else it might be, Jemai Meshack, whoever else. There's, there's one other newcomer that I want to kind of ask about right now, and, and he's not necessarily a newcomer to the team. He was with Tennessee a lot last year as an early enrollee, but Freddie DeLeon has been, to me, the player, I think before they left for the trip, I got to see three practices with my own eyes in the month of July. He was the player that stood out to me the most uh, each one of those times, and, and I'm not, not, that's not in a forecasting kind of way, just who was the most interesting to watch at that particular practice. I think Freddie DeLeon was kind of that guy each time. What did you see from him just th- throughout these three games? And I would imagine that he was primarily handling the ball. He was, yeah. Was the kind of Ziegler out? What, what did you see from him? It there? was really primarily him and Jordan Ganey were running the point guard spot. Um, and, and I think if Zakai Ziegler is not able to be back by the season opener, my guess is Freddie DeLeon will be the starting point guard. And I saw from him a lot of what I saw in the one practice I got to watch this summer. Uh, I was out of town for two of them. And then what we saw from scout team last year. Really good flashes of talent. I mean, stretches, especially the first half of that first game, he just looked dominant. Um, but other times, he kind of was out of control, had some turnovers, not any massive issues, but some bad stretches, and, and more worrisome, or maybe not worrisome, predictable, um, worrisome for him being able to shine and have a massive, what would hold him back from having a massive year is not being good enough defensively. And there were times, I mean, guys were just going right by him. It was. Uh, they were over. They were in Italy, not Spain, but it was like a Matador, Ole, just <laughs> going right, going right past Freddie Dillion. So that's the big question for him, because his offensive talent is very, very clear. He averaged 11 points. He didn't shoot great, um, and then it's just like in stretches you saw him be fantastic, and stretches you said, okay, this is a guy that was originally supposed to be a freshman uh, this coming year and isn't 100% ready as of August State. But again, that's, I don't know trying to do some very, very basic math, three and a half months before the season starts. Um, and he's got plenty of time, and he is clearly a super, super talented offensive player. And I think maybe what represents what you could see from him as much of anything uh, of that inconsistency or just getting different things on the Saturday game, he had 10 assists, and then on 
the Monday game to close out the trip, I think he had one assist. So it, yeah. it's just not a ton of what you get one game is what you're going to get the next game, but a lot of what we saw, talented scorer, really explosive getting in the basket. Uh, he didn't shoot it great, but I do think he is a good shooter uh, and certainly has – he's kind of a combo guard, but it certainly has enough point guard skill to kind of hold up at that spot uh, while if the guy Ziegler is not able to go uh, game one of the season. Yeah, you know, and again, like what you're saying – Based on what we're seeing now, what we're seeing in practice, what we've seen in those three games, it's going to be different once Sakai Ziegler does return because that is your primary primary ball handler for Tennessee. Let me ask you this question kind of on the way out. Would you ever run with the Bulls? Is that something <laughs> no. that, that, that would excite you? Are you, no, are you out of your gorge? No, I want to <laughs> run with the Bulls. I want to die in Spain on my vacation. I was kind of hoping... On my vacation that I don't even yeah. have planned. My random vacation, <laughs> theoretically, one day to Spain. I was kind of hoping that we disagree because I think that would have made it a little bit more entertaining. But I'm with you. Like, yeah, who, why would you who in their right mind would ever go to... People not only decide to do this, but... I mean, they make plans to go do this. It is just, it is insane. It is never anything that, that you would catch me doing. No, no, no. Ole, ole. No, no, no. Yeah, and maybe, you know, this is a little off topic, and hopefully my family won't be upset that I shared this, but there's a, a family friend's wedding in Paris, and oh, sometimes they're in football season, so I'm, I'm not going to it, obviously. Paris, Tennessee. No, Paris, France. Oh. But that ties into the story. Okay. Um, so my mom, you know, really wants to go. My dad really does not want to go. Um, my brother and I think his wife are planning on going. Not sure about that. They just had a second kid a while back. That might have changed the plans. Um, but my mom, you know, or trying to convince my dad. And my dad's line is, or has been, is I'd rather go to Paris, Tennessee, than Paris, France. So, <laughs> and that, I actually would like to go to Paris, France, and maybe some places. Uh, but when it comes to running with the Bulls, I, I am my uh, father's son, and I don't, I don't have that level of uh, adventure in me. Keep me away from that. I, I need no no part of that, and I never will either. It, this is a, 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 an opinion I'm confident for the rest of my life. I'm only in my <laughs> late 20s right now, but I, I will never change. No. What an insane idea. Ryan, any, any other kind of final touch-up thoughts from uh, football, basketball, uh, anything else that you can think of? No, not particularly. Uh, I guess the, the last basketball note uh, sure. I would have, we just didn't talk about the big men many. You know, one of my big question marks there is, what does the rotation look like? How much do they play Tobey and Waka and Jonas to do together in the season? Um, we saw it a little bit, but not ton. You know, they really didn't play a ton together during the exhibition games. Uh, I thought J.P. Estrella looked like a guy that can, you know, as he continues to improve and get better, give Tennessee maybe 10 minutes a game in SEC play. He's not going to be a star, but the freshman, I think, uh, looks – he doesn't look lost out there by any means. And then Tobey and Waka, you know, talk about a guy who the hype train's been – Going off on all summer from us watching him practice, from starring for the U.S. Under-19 team in the FIBA World Cup, he was really good. He only played uh, 17 minutes a game, so not a ton of minutes. I'd be shocked if he doesn't play 23-plus minutes a game in a season. In those games, yeah, or in that 17 minutes, he averaged 13.7 points, 10.3 rebounds, and to me, maybe the biggest kicker, he took 20 shots to score, you know, whatever that would be. Wow. Uh, roughly 41, I think 41 points would be the math there. 41 points, he did on just 20 shots. He shot 80% from the field, 16 of 20. So he's a guy that, uh, again, seems poised for a second-year jump in, uh, maybe to give Tennessee that consistency in the interior that they've really been lacking since Grant Williams left campus. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, Grant Williams, who is now one of well, my yours. Dallas Mavericks. I've I've certainly enjoyed the, uh, the Grant Williams content to come out of Dallas and – uh, looking forward to see what uh, he can do there. Is 
the NBA season not even close to starting up, but you know, it'll eventually. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, eventually, it'll it'll just weave itself its way into uh, all this other stuff. I know that we're already running long, Ryan, but I'd be remiss if I just didn't ask you any any initial any crazy thoughts about the uh, the college sports uh, Pac-12 just getting absolutely just clobbered if you will i mean any any thoughts on anything there? i mean not really i mean i'm sure we talked about it two years ago when texas and ou joined the sec ucla and usc but you know we're headed to we're headed down the road of two yeah. super conferences i think and it felt inevitable that one of the pac-12 and big 12 couldn't survive the big 12 leadership was so much better just a lot of ineptitude uh out on the west coast the last really decade and a half and it's sad you know it's uh it is, you know, it's college football. One of the things that makes it great, college sports makes it great, is regional. How regional the sports are and playing your rivals, and you know, it's been a long time. It's been headed in the direction. Whatever the Supreme Court case that said you can't, you can't keep conferences from having their own TV rights. Whenever that, whenever that was decided, I don't think the 60s or 70s, it started the train that was going to lead to this eventually. Too much money out there, and too many greedy, uh, penny pinching university presidents, chancellors out there. You know, money rules the world, and. College football is uh, college sports is uh, seeing the the downside of that, and you know it'll it's not the end of it. People will talk about like college sports, college football is going to be ruined. It's not, you know, as long as they're packing ninety thousand plus people in twenty yeah. stadiums every Saturday and people care, it's going to be a great sport and people are going to love it. And you know, look, there will be some positives with it too, but uh, certainly I think a lot of nostalgia uh, for what we're going to lose in a lot of this college football stuff. And it's what we've lost, you know, going back 25 years. Sure. As conferences have expanded and uh, you kind of lose a little bit. You lose rivalry, rivalry at time. Arkansas leaving the Southwest Conference yeah. to come to the SEC in 92. You lose a lot of rivalries. But, hey, that's some of the good stuff of expansion too. At least, well, maybe not all of it. But the SECs, <laughs> Big Ten isn't doing any of this. But the SEC, you're adding rivalries back. Texas, yeah. Texas A&M, Texas, Arkansas. Oklahoma and teams, Missouri, uh, those Oklahoma, those teams that used to be rivals in uh, the Big Tw- or the Big Eight and then the Big Twelve and the Southwest Conference, all that good stuff. So, at least the SECs of it. I'm not sure there's much of it with the the way the Big Ten's expanded, but at least SEC, you're you're adding some rivalries too. And uh, hey, maybe Clemson will join the SEC. You'll get Georgia Clemson back, <laughs> Georgia Auburn Clemson back, some other yeah. old rivalries that have kind of gone by the wayside. So, uh, there's positives. Trying to choose joy about it, but. Uh, you know, nothing, no new thoughts really uh, on this latest round of uh, realignment. We'll break it down more later whenever we have more time and, and whenever more things kind of come up. But it, with that being said, you know, Ryan, it's now August 8th. With it being the month of August, Rocky Top Insider is running overtime really until baseball ends next year, right? This is, we're starting back up. It's, it's almost like a teacher returning back to the classroom. We are returning back to campus. If, in fact, we're here right now. Where are we? We are in the arena dining, uh, where they have. We're not actually in the big room. We're in a room off to the side. Uh, which which is down here? Some other yeah, big sushi place or something. something. I don't know. Yeah, so we're we're right next to Thompson Bowling Arena, just kind of getting this uh, getting this football conversation out of the way. Make sure that if you want to hear more of this football conversation, if you want to be updated on everything that's going on from the Tennessee fall camp practices here in Knoxville, if you want to see what's happening at the Tennessee Fall Camp Practices here in Knoxville. Make sure you're checking out RockyTopInsider.com and you're checking out Rocky Top Insider on all of our social media platforms each and every day. We are at Rocky Top Insider on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and more. If it's there, we're there as well at Rocky Top Insider. 
Uh, but again, yeah, we're posting articles, we're posting opinions, we're posting stories, we're posting videos, we're posting highlights. Whatever it is, we are there and we are getting, re getting you ready for the 2023 Tennessee football season. And then, hey, on top of all that, like Ryan's been talking about, we've got basketball right on the horizon as well. So we're going to be keeping you updated with everything going on there with Rick Barnes and his squad coming up for this season. But until then, we're going to wrap it up from campus. We're going to get back home, maybe deal with some of the aftermath of the storm that was Monday. Yeah. But either way, it, it has been great to be able to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the whole show today. We are so appreciative of it. As always, if you could go and leave us a five-star review and rating, that would be wonderful. In addition to that, go ahead and tell a friend about the show. Now that football season is right here on our doorstep, we want to bring in as many people as we can to the Rocky Top Insider family. So go ahead and share this podcast with somebody. Let them know that you've got Tennessee football on your mind, and we will be there in the meantime. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you back in the next one. For Ryan Shumpert, I'm Rick Butler. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press. Press.